You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, yes. It says right there that we are live. And Eagle season has started. Or it will later today. Shouldn't get ahead of myself. You are watching Birds 365 with the Mac and Mac Guys. I'm Jody McDonald. He's my partner, John McMullen. J-Mac, you are getting dangerously close to grass time. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, since I think it's going to be 94 degrees today, <laughs> Jody. So it is dangerous. It looks like you got a long sleeve shirt on today. No, I'm no. guessing you won't be wearing that tomorrow. No, not a long sleeve shirt, just okay. a T-shirt. A uh, lot, of, lot, of, lot of struggles this morning with the dog and the errands and blah, blah, blah. Yikes. So. But I got here. I'm on time. That's all that matters. Uh, will will you be wearing black tomorrow when you're on the grass since you got black on today? <clears throat> Probably will be because, you know, I'm a bigger guy. You got to slim it down. So, slim it down, you know, right? plus you got the batting cage. I, I go the batting cage jacket. Look, you know, you try to fit in with the football sentiment. So that's what all coaches wear. So you have the short sleeve. You know how bad you have the short sleeve windbreaker type things. They call them batting. Yeah, I got I have a couple of those. Yeah, that's 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 the look I I tend to shoot for in training camp. Mm, at ninety four degrees, you might be sweating in that batting cage. Yeah, but it. the point is, you want to you want to you want to keep the sweat to yourself. You want to you want to make sure that everybody else doesn't know how much you're sweating, even though they're sweating just as much as you are. Exactly right. All right, we're not sweating the start of Eagles camp. We're getting excited about the start of Eagles camp. And there's a couple different things that we surely will hit on over the course of the day. The first is my paranoia is over. Landon Dickerson is officially in the fold. He has signed his contract with the Philadelphia Eagles. I have continued to point out that he wasn't signed. And you continue to point out that, Jody, stop it. At some point, it's going to happen. Get Let your paranoia go. And I stayed pretty paranoid <laughs> up until yesterday. As soon as they got the Steven Nelson thing done and there was a little bit more certainty with the salary cap, all of a sudden the Eagles were ready to announce that Landon Land Dickerson is signed. We haven't gotten the exact details of the contract. Now, I don't even know when or if we're going to get them because it's a slotted deal. You and I speculated here on Birds 365 that it was probably about 
offset language where they were haggling or dickering that uh, certainly the player wants less, the team wants more. If something happens and he doesn't make it through the four years of his contract, that the team can uh, recuperate a little bit of uh, what they've laid out as far as upfront signing bonus money type goes. Uh, We don't know what the compromise was, but they did get it done, which is a good thing. Feel free to poke fun at me because I really, truly was paranoid about it. Well, you could. I don't need to poke fun. I can just say that you could stop training for the victory lap because it's over now. So you can rest up the hamstrings, but we do kind of know. I mean, that's the point. I knew before it's a four-year deal. It's about eight point seven million, a little, a little under three point seven signing bonus in his salary cap figure, which is the most important for 2021, will be a little bit under $1.6 million. What took so long? You bring up Stephen Nelson. Maybe that was it. Maybe they were keeping a little bit. But but really, they had money for both. I don't even think that was it. I, I think more likely it was, was the offset language and or the payment structure Although the Eagles have never been a team that is cash poor, so to speak, those teams tend to have issues with cash uh, loose, uh, you know, cash on hand, and they might want to defer things a little bit. That could co- cause create problems. So I'm thinking because of the injury history, and this is just speculation because his agent, who's Pat Dye Jr., is never going to admit it, but because of his injury history. I'm guessing the Eagles probably pushed a little bit harder on offset language. So I'm going to be interested to see if, 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 you know, Field Yates is one of those guys who tends to get a look at contracts. I'll ask him at one, at some point, you know, if, if there's offset language in the contract, because I think if, if yet, you know, you're a betting man, Jody, if I had to make a bet, I would, I would bet that was the issue. Uh, here's a bet I'd like to ask you about. Um, how much are we betting that uh, Mr. Dickerson actually sees the field this year? Uh, they used a second-round pick on him. Most people speculated prior to the draft that he was a first-round talent, but because of the injury he had at the end of last year, uh, certainly the beginning of this year was in question. Um, we haven't seen him really take part in any drills during the Eagles' offseason program. Uh, nobody did any drills during the Eagles offseason program, so he's the same as everybody else, so we couldn't even judge it if they did. Um, but supposedly he's made nice progress and should be able to uh, jump into some drills here at the start of camp. How much of a factor is he going to be? I know his contract is completely irrelevant now. It's done, and even as they were debating offset language, I don't think it would have anything to do to, as to how much he would be capable of playing through whatever injury he's still rehabbing at this point for the upcoming season. But uh, you got any kind of a grasp just reading between the lines on maybe things Stoutland said about him leading into the opening of camp tomorrow? Well, the Eagles have said it's not going to be a redshirt year. So I don't know if he's going to be ready week one. Way back when they drafted, you know, a little bit after the draft, you remember we had Dr. Jessica Flynn on, and she talked about it. Remember, he had ACL surgery in December, I believe. Might have been early January. I don't know the exact date. But it was really late in the season. Um I think it was December. So you'd think nine months for a typical ACL. So you can do the math. That's going to be right around the start of the season. 
However, and she pointed this out, you know, this is a six foot six, 330 pound guy. You probably want to be cautious, you know, so maybe it's 10 months. Maybe he's not ready for the first couple of weeks of the season. But the Eagles are on record saying this is not Sidney Jones. This is not a red shirt season, so to speak, where this guy's not going to be able to contribute. And remember, we're at 17 games. You saw what happened to the Eagles offensive line last season. You have Jason Kelsey who plays through everything, but he's getting older. How long can that continue? We know Brandon Brooks's injury history. Isaac Sayamalo missed eight games last year with a knee injury. Did he miss I, eight? Was it that many? It yeah, didn't seem like yeah, it. Yeah. Damn. He missed half the season. So um, they're going to need him at some point, somewhere. Hopefully, from their perspective, it's only for a game or two or, or three or something of that nature. But I think he's going to be the top backup at every single one of those positions, every single interior line spot. Um, he's a, he's a talented kid, man. He would have been a first round pick if he didn't get if he didn't have that injury history. So yeah, I think he's going to play at some point. Now, the plan is he's not going to be a starter until 2022, and you can. That's what some people pointed out. You know, is this team in a position to take a luxury pick and wait a year? And you can have all those discussions. I think come 2022, people are going to be really happy that the Eagles drafted Landon Dickerson. Here's how I would ask, answer anyone who asked that question about the luxury pick aspect of uh, Dickerson. Uh, do you believe that uh, Brooks is going to be able to start game one? Oh, Brooks, yeah. He's, yeah. he's completely clear. Gotcha. So. Do you think Jason Kelsey is going to start game one? Yes. Do you think Isaac Sayamalo, who also had, uh, you told me, eight. Damn, I didn't even realize it was that many. I thought it was more like four or five, five or six. Uh, missed eight games last year. You expect him to be good to go uh, for game one this yes. year, right? Yes, yes. If you've got your three starting inside guys all good to go for game one, then, yes, you can take a luxury pick. You can do that. Uh, and all three coming back. Well, Kelsey played them all because he always does. Uh, but Samalu and Brooks missing major amount of time, and you're not sure what their future holds past this year, then it's absolutely a good pick. If you think you got first-round talent in the second round, oh, that was a great pick by the Eagles. Well, I think from the luxury pick standpoint, it's not about the player. It's about the, the, the sentiment that you have so many other needs in other places. I mean, at the time, we were talking about cornerback, cornerback, cornerback. Ultimately, they didn't fill that hole, really, until they signed Steven Nelson. Now, people can talk about Zach McPherson in the fourth round. I, I've said it on this show. You were you were kidding yourself if you thought they were going to trot out a fourth round pick on the outside corner as a rookie in the NFL it was never going to happen. So you look at some of the corners that were available. The point is, they had so many issues to deal with. Or why take the luxury pick where you don't need it immediate? I see both sides of the fence. At the end of the day, I agree with you. You got a first round talent in the second round. So the only question to me is the injuries. Is he healthy? Does he stay healthy? Is he there for the long term? If he's there for the long term, as I said, Eagles fans are going to be very, very happy with this pick a number of years down the line.
Well, John, we're 10 minutes into the show, and I already got a hypothetical for you. You know I love the hypotheticals, so I'm going to run one by you. Because one of the mantras since he was hired for Nick Sirianni was competition, 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 even though we think he overstates it and his eyes almost uh, rolled over when he talks about it. He gets so excited by it. Uh, yeah, there's there's not going to be a competition at a whole bunch of positions for the Philadelphia Eagles team. team guys are locked into positions like Fletcher Cox at all. <clears throat> but I think there's still competition at the cornerback position. Here's where I'm going. Darius Slay is going to start on one side. We believe that Stephen Nelson's going to start at the other. Most likely, Maddox is going to move into the slot because that's probably his best position. He's played both for the Eagles over the last couple of years, and he's certainly been better in the slot than he has been outside. What if McPherson does stand out in camp? What if he flashes and shows you that, hey, I am ready. You you guys got a steal in the fourth round. <laughs> I'm better than that. And he's playing well, and he's looking like an outside corner. I read several reports on Nelson since he signed over the last couple of days that said he does provide positional flexibility, and if need be, he can move in and be your slot corner. What if McPherson is that much better than than uh, Abante Maddox in camp. Do you think they'll push him and get him out there onto the field and maybe even play him outside and move Nelson inside? Is this too much to ask for from an optimistic, let's get some youth infused into this lineup, eagle perspective? Well, I, I would say this. If, if it gets on the field, it would be about Maddox uh, more than Nelson. Nelson's going to be on the field. Um, I think one of the problems with the Eagles before the Nelson signing is, uh, look, I think McPherson is better suited inside to play in the slot. You do. Uh, Maddox is better suited, obviously, inside to play in the slot. Josiah Scott, who they picked up, is a slot corner. They have too many slot corners. I mean, yeah, you could have a competition there, but you needed an outside corner. Now, they got one. They got a competent one in Steven Nelson. He's going to play. Um, can he push Abonte Maddox? I'm, I don't know. There's some uncertainty. I can tell if the old coaching staff was here, no, no way. Uh, the new coaching staff, they don't have any skin in the game. They don't have any preconceived notions at the, uh, about the player. If he goes out and outperforms him, who knows? He's in a contract year. I'm talking about Abonte Maddox. You know, if he doesn't play well, you just let him move on. That's that. You pull the plug. McPherson's going to be here for a while. So I, I think, yeah, he could, he could, he could. It to me though, it would mo be more about Avante playing himself off the field, and say he's playing so poorly, we have to try something else. Look, fourth round pick. I talk about all the time at cornerback in the NFL. I mean, the history is not good. Nothing against Zach McPherson, but. You know, one of the positive developments of getting Steven Nelson on the back end is you don't have to push McPherson. Now he can kind of get his feet under and start to learn the pro game. I think that's the best case scenario. But if somebody flounders, you got to look at everybody. Bottom line. All right, J-Mac, uh, before we get to our uh, first time out and then our buddy BLG, Brendan Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation is going to hop aboard with us. Um, more Deshaun Watson information after you and I got off the 
uh, Birds 365 <laughs> Airways yesterday, <clears throat> that his attorney, here's, here's what I can't figure out, and I'm going to lean on you to uh, somehow clear up a, a muddied picture for me. Rusty Harden announces yesterday that of the 22 cases, civil cases against uh, Deshaun Watson, 10 of them or eight of them, I should say, are being criminally investigated, that uh, criminal investigations are still ongoing. But that, have... part, that part has been for a long time. And right. That's... But did you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You knew, knew the number? Yeah. Yeah. I knew the number. The number had been out there for a while. The the number that the Houston Police Department had. Now it was reports. It was you know, the, the HPD is never going to confirm anything like that. Now, the problem is, because I, I had talked to a, a prosecutor around here who obviously has no interest on the case. I just wanted to get kind of a feel on what happens. He said, when you have cases like this, part of the problem is timing. You, you know, you understand, and I know people are, this is a incendiary topic, so I'm going to try to tiptoe around this as much as possible. If you're a prosecutor, what do you have to think? You have to think, can we win this case? You know, the, the timing, when you're talking about these, he said, she said, if you don't have you know, video, if you don't have overt evidence, if you don't have that, maybe they do, maybe they don't. None of us know any of this, but timing would really affect this case criminally uh, as far as being able to win it. So when you talk about why haven't they charged Deshaun Watson, that's probably why. Again, speculation. Now, what what I'm shaking my head on from Rusty Harden yesterday is why yesterday? Are right. you adding the information mm -hmm. that two more that have nothing to do with the 22 civil suits have also gone to the police and essentially um, proffered complaints. Remember, things were looking good for Deshaun Watson when he wasn't placed on the commissioner's exempt list. So this is one I'm trying to figure out from Rusty Harden's standpoint. Jody, we have so many conspiracy theorists. People have to stop going down the conspiracy route. And I'm looking at everybody in the Stop it. Now, I've heard people, credible, and I put that credible reporter saying, well, maybe Rusty Harden's trying to get Deshaun Watson out of Houston and saying it's worse. How is that going to get him out of Houston? What do you think? It's going to make the, hey, there's two more? Let's get in line. What? I, I, I don't understand people. So all of a sudden, things were looking good for Deshaun Watson. Now they're looking bad for Deshaun Watson. I'm going to throw this into the mix. The NFL didn't put him on the commissioner's exemplist. We know that, right? Now they can change their mind in any moment. Right. But interesting, we had Jay Feely on the show yesterday. Jay answered, we were talking about the vaccine. But, you know, Jay was on the management council for a long time of the NFLPA. And it's their job to fight for players. And Jay's a little bit was a little upset about that when it came to the vaccine, but I, I'm, I'm taking that in a different direction. If this league is dumb enough to say, we're not going to put them on the commissioner's exemplist. And then all of a sudden they change, they do a 180 and put them on the commissioner's exemplist. I think we got this whole thing starts going down the court route. Who knows? It could be Tom Brady going to Supreme court. 
that's how long this could go. I saw the same speculation that you did, that the only reason that Rusty Harden would give this information out at this time, because it doesn't seem to make sense, doesn't seem like it's in the best interest of his client, it was to get the Texans to come off their asking price, which was also floated out there as many as high five, five high draft picks and one or two starting players in return. So nothing like seven for one. That was floated yesterday. That's pie in the sky, but it's a pretty damn first asking price. And camp uh, quarterback said, well, we got to get them off that number right away. We, we can't have them actually floating that out there. We want Deshaun to be elsewhere. So we need to somehow gum up the works to get the Texans to go, all right, yeah, we're asking for too much. Now we'll get to our real price. It's going to be three first-round picks and one other player. When when was the last time a player went to his attorney to handle his football business? Not his agent. We're not talking about his agent here. This is his attorney whose job is supposed to be keep him out of legal trouble. Don't let him get taken down by civil suits. But somehow he's now floating information that is going to move the Texans to reduce their asking price on the open market for a trade for Deshaun Watson. Doesn't make any sense. No, there are certain of, aspects that, that, of this, John, and I know Eagle fans are excited because it, it looks like certain things are going in the way of him becoming available, and Eagles are probably more loaded for Bear to be able to make a play for him than anybody else. But there's also some things in this situation that are just stone cold gumming up the works. Yeah, well, I I think Rusty Harden hurt any potential trade uh, by what he said. And yeah, people got to take off the tin hats, man. They, you got to stop going down the conspiracy route. Oxum's razor. You know what that is, Jody? Yes. The simplest answer is usually the right answer. And that's the case here. Rusty Harden made a mistake. That's what happened. I think people look at high profile lawyers and assume, well, that guy knows what he's doing. No, they're human beings like everybody else. They make mistakes. He made a mistake yesterday. I don't know what the hell he was trying to accomplish, but he didn't accomplish what he was trying to accomplish, and that's to help his client. I can tell you that. All right. We are just hours away from the Eagles actually reporting to the Novacare facility. No practice today, but everybody's going to check in. We'll check in next with one of our favorite guests from Bleeding Green Nation, their editor-in-chief, Brandon Lee Gowton, is going to hop aboard Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything 
or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. It is check-in day here on Birds 365. The Philadelphia Eagles will officially... Check in for the 2021 season down at the Novacare Complex. We're going to check in with one of our favorites. Joining the show from Bleeding Green Nation is their editor-in-chief, Brandon Lee Gowton. BLG, one of the things the Eagles will undoubtedly do today <laughs> is when they get their guys in, take measurements. Uh, they need uh, the, the measurables for their players coming in today. After you f- uh, fill out all your waivers and basically sign your life away to be able to get into the Novacare Complex, what are going to be the BLG measurements today? Uh, I think I'm checking in at six foot nine, like two thirty four. Let's say two thirty four. Is is that your uh, top fighting weight, buddy, or uh, are we a couple of pounds heavier or lighter than usual? That's good for me. That's down. I think uh, my max was like two eighty, so I'm down. I'm doing good. I'm look. I'm in the best shape of my life coming into this training camp. <laughs> that a boy. I'm That's just why thrilled. I asked the question. I'm- I'm thrilled I got the BLG. Yes. That's what, you know, I, that's what I'm thrilled about. But, you know, the break, and I don't know what this is going to look like, Brandon, but, you know, when there were a lot of fans at, at, at training camp, Brandon's the only guy who didn't have to worry about that because he could just look over everybody. The rest of us got to figure out where the hell to find the spot. Hopefully it's not that crowded, but we'll see when we get down there. I guess we got to talk about Deshaun Watson first because before we get into camp stuff, noted NFL GM Rusty Harden spoke yesterday. And while saying, oh, by the way, there's two extra uh, women accusing Deshaun Watson, he also said, and I want to quote this directly, he also said teams are ready to jump now if the Texans would trade with them. 
even while all this is pending, there's no question that teams, numerous teams are still interested. The ball is in the Texans court. Are the Eagles one of those interested teams? Would they dare go after Deshaun Watson with this caveat? It's not going to be three first round picks. It's not going to be two players. It's going to be at a discount price. Would they consider that, Brandon? I really think they would because I think it's easy for us to sit here and say there's too much uncertainty. They can't do it. And I get that. And I think that's pretty a reasonable place to be mentally. But I think the thing is, like, if the Texans are willing to deal him and teams are talking to the Texans, I don't think the Eagles just want to be too patient on this and potentially risk missing out on a player that I think they're going to deem a very rare opportunity to acquire a kind of quarterback of his caliber, of his talent, um, on this age, he's only 25, on the contract and everything. I, I Obviously, there are massive concerns and a lot to play out, but I think at some level, I think they're willing to take that risk. We know Jeffrey Lurie wants an elite passing offense. He said that earlier this offseason, and how do you get that? You get an elite quarterback, and I don't think they're going to really be deterred from acquiring an elite quarterback. All right, if this is the case, and yes, we are on Birds 365 on your website, Bleeding Green Nation, the speculation on Deshaun Watson is absolutely everywhere these days, Philadelphia, mainstay position, uh, but across the country, across the league, people are talking about, uh, how about Deshaun Watson? Could they get Deshaun Watson? Did Deshaun Watson be made available? What kind of trade is going to be needed for Deshaun Watson? Here in Philadelphia, how can Jalen Hurts be expected to go out and lead this football team with all this speculation ongoing. Because last year when the Eagles drafted a second-round quarterback uh, in the draft, it just crazed Carson Wentz, and it just uh, absolutely kept him from being able to do his job. Are we going with a different set of standards for Jalen Hurts? Because I'd be a hell of a lot more worried if Deshaun Watson was looking over my shoulder rather than Jalen Hurts last year for Carson Wentz. Uh, you, get, you get the point I'm trying to make here, right, BLG? Yeah, I think to me, though, the biggest one of the biggest things about you know, playing quarterback is being able to respond to adversity and like how you handle tough times. And we saw Carson <laughs> Wentz didn't really do that too well last year. And big reason, I think, in part why the Eagles moved on from him. I think Jalen Hurts obviously isn't in an ideal situation in terms of not only supporting cast, but also these rumors that are out there and the fact that the Eagles seemingly – aren't married to him, but look, I mean, that kind of sets him up to thrive. If he can, can, can like rise up to the challenge and prove them wrong at that point, then you're like, wow, we have a special one here. This guy, you know, is facing all this adversity and he overcame it. So it's a big opportunity for him as well as a challenge. By the way, <laughs> isn't it ironic guys that, you know, Russell Wilson wanted out in Seattle, couldn't get it done. Aaron Rodgers obviously wanted out of green Bay, couldn't get it done. Deshaun Watson hasn't been able to get it done yet. The only guy who could get out was Carson Wentz. It seems like the only way you can really get out in the NFL is to play so poorly that, yeah, they'll say, okay, let's get, get you the hell out. But I do want to bring up, Brandon, because of, you know, a rookie head coach, and you do have these constant whispers. And we're also going to have Zach Ertz at training camp. And the whole plan was obviously that he was going to move on. He was very emotional at the end of last season. If people forget that, the Eagles have been trying to move him, haven't been able to get what they wanted. Doesn't all this 
ancillary white noise, so to speak, doesn't it make it harder on a rookie head coach who's got enough on his plate? Is Howie doing Nick Sirianni justice, or is he just making his job more difficult? <laughs> well, I think uh, we know about the uh, the head coach having to face challenges in Philly uh, with things beyond his control or things that kind of get brought to him by the owner and the GM. So, you know, there's a lot going on here, sure. Um, you know, you have an unsettled quarterback situation. Like you said, you have the Ertz drama, the Watson thing. There's a lot of things here for Nick Sirianni to manage. But again, that's the big challenge. Like it's kind of they're throwing a lot at him. They're going to see if he can handle it, just how well he leads this team through all of this. And you're going to find out a lot, I think, about Nick Sirianni. You know, there's, these aren't really excuses for him. I think, you know, it's, it's up to him to, to prove that he can handle this and he's fit for this job. All right, real quick follow-up, Jody, before you jump in. If it goes by height and we're back on the field asking questions, so Brandon gets to go first, what's your yeah. first question to Nick Sirianni? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think, see, see you're, you're the one coming up with a good question, John, uh, as always. <laughs> um, you're putting me on the spot here. I didn't have one. I'm, I'm totally not prepared. I'm going to say oh, I well, might still they, ask. They, they, hold on. Put it back. Uh, if you got it, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. I might still ask about Zach Hertz because I still think that's just an interesting dynamic, a weird dynamic that he's here. Um, you know, obviously he's going to be showing up, but I guess kind of get more into like, you know, when did that come back together? You know, because uh, it, it felt like, you know, things obviously were tense there for a time. So I guess I'm still asking about Zach Ertz here. Fair enough. And uh, that's funny because my next question to you was going to be about Zach Ertz. Uh, you're looking back. I want to look forward instead. He's here. He's showing up. Uh, he's going to be taking part in workouts. Where does it go from here? Does, does Zach just play the good soldier since he's showing up, and some of us are speculating he's showing up just to not get fined, um, that might not be the case. He might actually not be able to be traded because how he seems to have a standard that he wants for Ertz, they're now not cap-strapped. So, ooh, they'd clear some money under the cap. Well, who cares? They're okay under the cap. They're not going to be making any more signings, so that's not a necessity anymore. How is Zach Ertz going to handle his business? We know what happened in the offseason. He's not one of those guys who's going to go to social media and tell you himself. He's going to get whatever information he wants out there, out there. But he hasn't been a major disruptive force. Is this just going to be okay? Is this going to be Zach Ertz becomes one of the Philadelphia Eagles and the story loses heat? Or is this going to uh, heat back up again before the season gets underway? Yeah, you know, obviously, like you said, Zach Ertz is a pro's pro. Um, although, yeah, I think back to last year, right before the season when Zach Ertz spoke to the media, after that kind of thing where it came out that the Eagles and him, you know, had broken off contract negotiations, and Zach Ertz was pretty honest, you know, not about feeling like not really happy about that. And then we saw him be really honest after the season, basically, you know, you know, really getting emotional and tearing up and saying goodbye to Philly because he thought, you know, he was going to be gone. So I guess from that standard, I'm expecting him to kind of be honest about the situation. And like, this isn't exactly the perfect scenario. I don't expect him to lie to us. Um, ultimately, I still don't think it's a lock that Zach Hertz is here on the team the entire season. I just think you look at that eight. Uh, million they can save uh it's not about just this year obviously that you can roll over to next year and i also think you just need to see what dallas goddard can be as the number one volume tight end before you're committing to him long term obviously his contract is up after this year so i just feel like it still makes too much sense 
for Zach Hertz to not be on this roster ultimately, but he's here. So we'll see. Yeah. And there's a domino effect, as you mentioned, not only with Dallas Goddard, uh, Brandon, but you think about what Nick Sirianni wants to do. And he wants to play more 11 personnel. He wants to get receivers on the field. He talks about competition. That's sort of his foundational ethos or whatever you want to call it. Um, how, how do you go into your locker room and say, look, I, I, Devontae Smith, you know, is going to be on the field. Jalen Rager. But you're going to say Zach Ertz. You, you want to play 11, but you might have to play 12 because it's going to be tough to sell his locker room. Travis Fulgham or Greg Ward or whomever is better than Zach Ertz. So I go again back to how we making things more difficult for Nick Sirianni. He might be because Doug Peterson wanted to play 11 personnel, but he couldn't because his receivers stunk and his tight ends are good. Is Nick going to be in that same boat? Is he going to look like a hypocrite with the competition, competition, competition thing? I hope we don't see as much 12 personnel as yeah. the Eagles used in recent years. It was not very it. good. Yeah. It was not it was not very aesthetically pleasing, and it wasn't successful. Um, it'll be interesting to see, right, in camp. That's something we'll be out there watching on the practice field. How much 12 personnel are they running? Like, where are the rotations looking like? Is Zach Ertz running with the first team fully, or is it Dallas Goddard getting a lot of more work there? Uh, that's going to be very, very interesting to watch. It's it's strange. It's strange that Zach Ertz is here. It really is. I think that, obviously, he wanted to move on. I think him coming back made the most sense for him at this point because, you know, he's not going to get the money he's getting right now anywhere else, clearly. So it makes sense for him to show up. But from the Eagles' perspective, I just it doesn't make as much sense for them. So, yeah, it's another challenge that Howie Roseman is throwing Nick Sirianni's way. But I guess he's going to just try to make the most of it in the meantime. The one guy I actually feel badly for is Richard Rodgers because uh, I think he re-signed here because he thought he was going to be the tight end two. Now he's the tight end three. You got Johnny Mack and Brandon Lee talking down to 12 uh, sets. He's never going to get on the field. Rodgers never going to see the light of day. That poor guy is screwed, but I digress. Uh, let's move it over to the other side of the ball. Uh, Eagles got Stephen Nelson signed this week, BLG. Um, only a name that's been kicking around for four or five months here. When are we going to sign Stephen Nelson? When are they going to get – we got to have a second quarterback. It's got to be Stephen Nelson. He's the best available one. Well, they got it done. Not as quickly as Eagle fans would like, but Howie Roseman got it done at probably the price he wanted. Uh, checking all the other salaries of starting quarterbacks in the league, similar resumes to Stephen Nelson. Did Howie do a good job by being patient, getting the guy he wanted – before camp opened up, which is the main key, yeah, he missed those all-important uh, competitions that Nick Siri had in the optional workouts the Eagles had. Something tells me he'll be just fine that he missed those. Uh, did Howie do a good job with his patience in landing Nelson? I think he did. I think this is a really sensible addition. Obviously, everyone was calling for it. Um, I think the Steven Nelson situation was interesting because it's not like I don't think the Steelers cut him because they thought, you know, he was this terrible player and they had to move on. It was obviously there was cap implications there. Um, I think Steven Nelson, you know, wanted more money. And I think in free agency, why it took him so long to sign, you know, a lot of people are always like, oh, why, why was he on the market if he's so good? Well, I think in his case, he had an, ex an especially unrealistic expectation of what like kind of caliber player he is and what he deserves. So 
and that cost him money because he probably turned down deals that were potentially more lucrative than the one he ultimately got with the Eagles, but he was kind of waiting and waiting for you know a bigger one to come, and it didn't, so he ultimately had to bite the bullet and take what the Eagles gave him. So in that sense, the Eagles kind of were smart to wait it out and I think get him at a reasonable price, and I think it's a good signing. I think it kind of reminds me of the Anthony Harris deal. It's like this is a guy who played at a pretty good level in years past, but didn't have his best season last year. So you're signing him to a one-year deal. He fills a short-term need. And if he plays well here, then maybe he can be a long-term player for you. And it's not just Harris and Nelson. You look at it, they're probably more accomplished than the Eric Wilsons of the world. Certainly not Ryan Kerrigan would be in that boat. He's very accomplished, but on the back end of his career. Then you have the contract guys, Derek. So you have... Derek Barnett, you have Josh Sweat, you have Avante Maddox. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody, but that's a lot of guys are going to play that are essentially on one-year prove-it deals. Now, you know, Bar- for Barnett and Sweat and Maddox, it's about their contract year, but still, it's the same theme. They have to go out there and prove it. You think that's good or bad when you have guys who are sort of lame ducks and, and playing for their next contract? I mean, I think it's good in the sense that, I mean, obviously it's bad in the sense that you'd rather just have your core pizzas locked up. It's good in the sense of where the Eagles are. I think, you know, Jeffrey Lurie used the phrase real transition year. I mean, this is part of that. Like they're finding out who their next core is. They don't have all those pieces yet, in part because the roster has kind of been mismanaged to some extent, and they haven't found all these you know young studs to build around. But you know, there's a lot of prove-it emphasis uh, with those guys that you mentioned, which kind of makes an interesting dynamic this year. In theory, you know, hung- guys who are hungry, a lot to prove. They're going to be playing hard. Um, they're not checking out. It's not like they've already been paid. Um, but at the same time, like you haven't signed some of those players yet because you don't feel great about them necessarily and giving them that big money. So there's a lot to figure out here. I think there's, you know, it's not going to work out where all these guys are probably, you know, long-term pieces, but they might find a couple. And I guess that's a win. BLG, you'll probably get uh, from the Eagles either today or tomorrow or soon enough. Their first depth chart. We can all have depth charts. I got an Eagles depth chart sitting here on the side of my desk. Now, that's just my opinion as to how I would line them up. You have yours. Johnny has his. The Eagles is kind of the most important one because it's their team. Uh, how much do you look forward to getting that first depth chart, comparing it to what you think, debating it on your website? We'll debate it here on Birds 365. Uh, that is one of the fun things about camp because you get your first official impression from the team you're going to be covering all year, right? Oh, it's always fun because when the depth chart comes out, as we, everyone, all the media reporters, I feel like we all tweet out, this isn't the official team depth chart. This is the <laughs> PR department putting it together. Um, I guess to me, you know, the fun of it is seeing like the, the depth chart that we see in practices, you know, and figuring out like who's running with which units, how often, um, especially like some of the offensive line stuff is interesting to see, like who's getting this first rep, especially if someone's missing practice for some reason. Um, so that's the kind of the real interesting stuff, I think, to get into the lineup notes that we'll be all tweeting out and writing about coming up here in the next few weeks. So so that's the good stuff to me, kind of figuring out uh, how this team is shaping up exactly. And obviously that gets reflected in all the, the 53-man roster projections that we'll be doing, and I'll have one up on Bleeding Green Nation uh, today and be updating that throughout you know, training camp practices after the preseason games, all that is always fun to me. You know, it's kind of like, it's like mock draft season, but I think better. (laughs) Um, Left tackle is probably the most obvious competition, real true competition uh, with Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard. 
after that, what what are you most looking forward to look? Third receiver, uh, have slot corner, a lot of options there, and that Nelson's going to be on the outside. What what other position are you most looking forward to get a little bit of clarity in what where they're going to go? Definitely the receiver position and the uh, the rotations there because you know we already talked about like the twelve personnel, the Zach Ertz of yeah. it all. Putting that aside, um, you know, early in spring and the spring OTAs that we saw, which is you know, very limited uh, practice watching, probably about thirty minutes total, maybe or an hour, um, we saw Greg Ward running with the first team, and I think Greg Ward is a nice player. He can Uh-oh. actually catch the. <laughs> Jody's gonna get upset. Uh, Jody's Greg, guy you here. guys keep yeah. putting Greg Ward in a box. All he's gonna do is lead <laughs> the Eagles in receptions again this year, and you're all gonna have to eat crow. But go ahead, do it again. I'm just saying he's not dynamic, Jody. Like the Eagles need. Look, I'm not saying Greg Ward never belongs on the field, but he cannot be starting. He cannot be your full time one of your top three wide receivers. He can't be Travis Fulgham. I know. Is, has, is not without issues, but has too much talent for him to be totally behind Greg Ward on the depth chart. And I would like to see, maybe not right away, I think it's okay to have Greg Ward starting out camp and kind of make Travis Fulgham earn that job. But by the end of camp, I would like to see Travis Fulgham like playing well and earning a starting role and not seeing as much Greg Ward. I'm sorry, Jody. That's okay. Yeah, I'm just going to sit back and watch him lead the league, lead the Eagles in receptions again this year. Oh, you got your other guy here. Devontae Smith is going to lead them in receptions. Come on. We'll, we'll see about that. Now, Devontae Smith's going to lead them in yards. He's going to leave them in touchdowns. No, he but actual lead. numbers are I'm telling Greg Ward is one of the best four yard receivers in the National Football League. You guys don't give him enough credit for that. All right. Um, speaking of competition, I will play Nick Sirianni here for a minute. Competition between guys like, oh, I don't know, maybe John McMullen and Brandon Lee Gowton. The Eagles, like I believe every other team in the National Football League, is going to have some kind of way of denoting which of their players is vaccinated and which of their mm. players isn't vaccinated. It seems like most teams are going to go with colored wristbands. That one color would mean that that player has has, is, has had his vaccine, the other hasn't. Who's going to be in charge of keeping track? Mm. Are you going to be competing against each other with your notebook? Oh, there's a yellow. Oh, no. There's a red. There's a yellow. Let me do some math here. See how they're actually going. Is there going to be competition between you reporters as to how many guys are or aren't vaccinated on the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, that's going to be tracked. I can guarantee you. I don't know by who. I don't know if by me. We'll see what the exact layout is and dynamic and, and you know viewing capabilities are. There's a lot of players to keep track of. Um, but obviously, if it's only a few who have a certain color and there are suspicions there, then that's absolutely going to be noted. And it's absolutely relevant because, I mean, yeah. let's say, yeah. just for example, you have you know two players at a starting position and both of them have a certain bracelet on and they're both unvaccinated, well, that's pretty, you know, something to note because there's a situation (laughs) where those players from that same position room are both out for a game all of a sudden, and then you're starting two backups. Let's just say, again, like just picking a position like cornerback. Like that's that's absolutely relevant, I think, football-wise to note. Just just a hunch, but I don't – the Eagles are too secretive. I don't think they're going to go the wristband route, Mm. but we'll see. I I hope they do. I hope we are able to tell, but – Man, they are secretive. I think they're going to figure out a different way. Uh, but that's just a 
the the sense that I get. I want to round back to wide receiver real quick because one name we didn't mention, and it's almost August. What is it today? July 27. Mr. August is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Dare I bring up that name, Brandon? Is there an opportunity? New coaching staff, they don't know J.J.'s history. Is there an opportunity he shows up in August again and goes, oh, that guy looks pretty good, and he's part of that equation for that third receiver? So I uh, did a roster projection with you know Jimmy Kemsky here of Philly Voice uh, for BGN Radio last week, and Jimmy had uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside making the team as his sixth receiver. And I can see it from the standpoint of maybe how he just keeps him around, but I can't see it from the standpoint, as you're kind of alluding to there, John, like what are we going to learn about J.J. Ortega-Whiteside this summer that we, we haven't seen in a training camp prior? Because I think he did some good things as a rookie. I think it looked like he turned a corner last year, not only on the field, but mentally too, talking to the media. It seemed like, oh, wow, this is like a player with a lot of confidence right now. He's feeling good. Maybe we'll see something in year two. And we didn't. So I don't know what he could possibly do this summer to make me feel like it's actually going to translate to the regular season. But they might just keep him anyway. BLG, um, I'm going to give you a hypothetical. Uh, the Eagles make a deal for Deshaun Watson. Uh, whatever the cost is, X amount of first-round picks, players included. And one of those players is uh, Jalen Hurts, who is a <laughs> Texan, uh, born and bred. And maybe they take him back either to compete for their starting job or they hand him the starting job. Uh, they've got uh, Tyrod Taylor, who can start for them. They drafted David Mills. I don't even know if he's in the deal. But for argument's sake, he's in the mm-hmm. deal. They want him as part of the package. Which means Deshaun Watson comes here, and we find out Deshaun Watson's going to be suspended. He's either going to go on the commissioner's list or he's actually bad news comes out. He's going to be suspended for a lengthy period of time, whatever it is, minimum six games, maybe 12, maybe an entire season. Which are you more excited to see? The Joe Flacco-led Eagles or the Nick Mullen-led Eagles? If the deal comes down, Hurts is gone. Yes, they've got a new starting quarterback, but he's suspended. Which of the two QBs do you want leading the 2021 Eagles? I think having to watch a is he 37 now, 36 year old Joe Flacco uh, quarterback the Eagles at this point might I just might have to uh, stop covering the Eagles <laughs> at that point. I don't know if I can handle that again. Just talking about like you'll the become an Eagle reporter via Zoom. Is that what you're <laughs> telling us? You'll just stay home for the entire season. I'm just going to check out. I'm not covering the team anymore. I think if that happens, I just I don't know what we can possibly learn about the Eagles or enjoy about this. Like, again, just from an aesthetic standpoint of watching the game, if Joe Flacco is playing, I just, I don't know what he has to offer. That is honestly. So we did, again, I did a, a, a thing for bleeding green nation this off season about like, what are the, some of the like worst case scenarios or like one of the things to kind of really be concerned about the season. And it's that Joe Flacco plays any kind of meaningful amount of time other than like a game or two. I just, again, I just don't know what we're learning about that. I don't know what the best thing that could realistically happen from that is. I just, I don't want to see it. All right. Last one for me, Brandon, you brought it up. Worst case scenario, best case scenario. Give me, give me both for this team. So I think it's weird to say that it's not necessarily this team like bottoming out because I think there's a scenario where this team bottoms out. They get a really good draft pick of their own in addition to the third they have. Maybe Harry Roseman 
they move on from him. I know that sounds impossible, but maybe. And they kind of start afresh. And I think that's might be what this organization needs in the long run. So I don't know that that's the worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario could be something where you're like eight and nine, nine and eight, and it, the season kind of becomes something of a false positive. Jalen Hurts, maybe he's just like kind of mediocre and you stick with him because you feel like there might be a little bit more there, but it ends up being that that's all he has. And you kind of, you know, just you're kind of stuck. I think the best case scenario is they kind of obviously Jalen Hurts has a really good season and they win, let's say something like 10 and seven. Uh, And then they're in the playoffs. Maybe they don't win a game, but everyone's feeling really good about Jalen Hurts and you feel like you can kind of build around him and you don't even have to trade for Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or whoever else is out there next off season. So I don't know how likely that is because I think Hurts has a, a big uh, gap to bridge from going from arguably one of the worst starting quarterbacks in the NFL to suddenly a top 10 kind of player. But uh, I think he deserves a chance. So we'll see. All right. And when he gets that chance, my last question is going to be up at the quarterback too. Um, what does he have to do? How are you going to judge? The Eagles are going to make their judgment, but we all sit in judgment when it comes to the Eagles. Are you basing it on completion percentage? Is it touchdown to interception ratio? Is it quarterback rating? Is it W's and L's? There's a lot of things that you can put into it. Give me a kind of order to them or put the one on the top of the list above all else where you say, yes. He deserves to be the Eagles quarterback in 2022 because no Deshaun Watson, no high draft pick. We're going right back to work with uh, with uh, our guy, Jalen Hurts, because he accomplished this. What's he need to accomplish? I think there are a number of things you could say in terms of like wins, playoffs, uh, having, you know, the teammates really buy into him, which I think will happen um, just given how magnetic of a personality Jalen Hurts is. But to me, the Eagle standard is going to be no, not even a shred of doubt. I think that's the standard. They, they can't even be a shred of doubt that he's the guy. Like They're just going to know it. It's, it's something that when you see it, you'll know it. And I think that's a very high bar to clear, but I think that's what they're looking for. Again, they're not settling at quarterback. They're just not. I mean, when you want to build an elite passing offense, which Jeffrey Lurie, again, I will repeat, he said he is obsessed with doing that. And I think we know that based on how Doug Peterson was uh, kind of called in after running the ball a little too much back in 2019 in the wins over the Packers and the Bills. Uh, I, I just don't think they're going to settle. I think Jalen Hurts has to be kind of lights out, not necessarily you know MVP of the league, but they're going to have to look at him and know with 100% confidence that this is the guy. Like I have no doubts about it. You mean like the no shred of doubt, the 100% confidence they had when they gave Carson Wentz the contract? That they get me. Is, yeah. that, is that the standard we're talking about here? Uh, I mean, it is. Go, but, uh, go back to card. I like it. I've said the same thing, Brandon. I think Jalen has a very, very small path. You just said it better. I might steal that from you. There has to be no doubt. And I don't think that's necessarily fair for Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible for Jalen Hurts more than that. I've been saying that pretty consistently. Might not be Deshaun Watson. Might be a top 10 pick in the draft, but you're right. They're not settling at quarterback. It's going to be really difficult for Jalen Hurts, unfortunately. It is. It goes back to kind of what I said earlier, though, in terms of like the challenge. Like if he can kind of rise against this 
unfair expectation, this not ideal supporting cast, then you know you have a special one, and then that is someone to build around. So again, it's it's like it's the it's like a double uh, sided sword here. It's like there's opportunity and there's a challenge, and I think I would not doubt him. Like I give him a chance in my mind mentally. I I don't think it's likely that he's going to be the Eagles franchise quarterback, but again, I think there is a non-zero chance that he could forge this path and and really prove everyone wrong. But Again, I think the Eagles are more likely to move on from him when they can find that option, whether it's Watson or whoever. Six foot eight, Jordan Mylotta is going to have to get up on his toes to look Brandon Lee Gowton in the eye tomorrow. Uh, BLG, feel free to get out, run a couple laps around the block, see if we can get down under that uh, two uh, thirty-eight that you mentioned. Uh, always a pleasure, my friend. And I, I said this yesterday. Um, do me a favor. When you see McMullen down there on the grass, don't hit him. Because he's got a shoulder thing. He keeps whining about it during the break. I can't afford to have him on the IL. I can't afford to have him on the pup list. If you do the fist bump thing, fine. But no bro hogs. Don't hurt my guy. I need him, okay? We're still in the pandemic. Oh. You're not allowed to do that, Jody. Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll uh, hook him up with like a sports science smoothie or you know something. It, to get it hurts when he goes like this. He can't yeah. even do this right now, Brandon. That's how bad his shoulder is. Uh, BLG, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, buddy. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, guys. Bleeding Green Nation, his website, uh, editor-in-chief Brandon Lee Gowton, our guest here on Birds 365. All right, coming back, we still got plenty to do. I was informed that Ed Kratz is going to join us, <clears throat> our favorite guest, our most often appearing guest. Brandon's trying to come up on the outside, but he's got uh, links to ways catch to go. Up because to go. Uh, Eddie is making – he's not a – to double digits yet, but he's getting close. Damn. Uh, we get that Kratz guy on all the time. Ed Kratz, John's cohort from Sports Illustrated. Going to hop aboard here in hour number two. He's McMullen on McDonald. We're your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say... But as I always say... It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest... Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. We are your Magamac guys. John McMullen and Jody McDonald hanging with you. Thank Brandon Lee Gowton for coming aboard. Uh, I just love the fact that uh, here on YouTube, you get these tight-fitting cameras and you can't judge height or size. All six foot nine of Brandon will be joining Johnny Mac down at camp. And I didn't even think about that. Uh, you spend grass time. I don't. I just sit here in the studio and analyze. Um, yeah, he can stand wherever he wants. Yeah, He doesn't have to worry about, oh, I got to get a better angle. I got to be here. Brandon, go right to the middle and say, yeah, I'll just back up two or three guys. <laughs> if you're going to be three deep, that's not a problem because I'll just look yeah. over everybody. He is a big dude. and he's, uh, got, he, he's got, as they say in the game, he's got great length, Jody. Great length. And that you would think it wouldn't be all that important for a reporter, but it can be advantageous when you've got an overcrowded media group checking out the Eagles practices, which the first one is coming down tomorrow. Uh, all right, Johnny Mac, you've been doing this for years. It's different this year. It certainly was different last year because uh, there was no preseason and the limited practices that they had, uh, they got in and they just threw it together and started the season last year during the pandemic. We're expecting a return to more normalcy. It's not going to be exactly the same. And vaccinated as compared to unvaccinated players, it's going to make it intriguing the way. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
made the camps go this year. What is that first day like? Just from a accomplishment standpoint, a feeling out new players type standpoint, certainly in this camp this year because it's a new coaching staff, the relationship between the players and the coaches. How much do you just have to read between the lines uh, when a camp is this early for a team in the, I'll use Jeffrey Laurie's word, transitional phase that they are like the 2021 Eagles? Well, you have to, especially with the new coaching staff. I mean, you get kind of a feel when a coaching staff has been here for a while. In Doug Peterson era, you know, fifth year versus first year was a lot different. You knew how things were going to be done. You knew what things mean. Now you got to learn how the coaching staff does things. I mean, day one for me, the most, and, and Brandon kind of said this as well, you want to see how people line up, not only the first team guys, most of them you know, but it'll be interesting who's getting the first rep, Jordan Mylotta or Andre Dillard, things like that. But you also want to see who the second team offensive line, how are guys lining up? Where do they start particular guys? The wide receivers, what are they going to do? Is Jalen Rager going to start on the outside, kick into the slot? Is Travis Fulgham, is it going to be your guy, Greg Ward? Things like that are are the most interesting part. And then you start uh, from that baseline. And as things move on, you can see, well, if so-and-so gets more reps and he started behind, you know, they keep moving up the, the depth chart and you see how the coaches are starting to see things. But with a new coaching staff, you got to learn – sort of the, the way they do things before you understand what's going on on the field. So, you know, that newness is – Lane Johnson mentioned this, Jason Kelsey. Look, they had a lot of success with Doug Peterson. They weren't happy Doug Peterson got fired. But there is a natural newness and excitement for a new way of doing things. So sometimes that, you know, perks you up a little bit as well. JM, without knowing what the coach's way of doing things is, I get what you said about Doug Peterson in his fifth year. You could read into because you'd been there at separate uh, previous camps. That's not the case here with Nick Sirianni. Their first lineup on an offensive play, someone's going to be a left tackle. And we assume it's going to be either Andre Dillard or Jordan Mailata. It'd be really surprising if it was someone else other than one of those two. But somebody's going to go first. Is that the unofficial depth chart for the Eagles? Does that person start with a leg up? Will that be one of the first questions asked to Sirianni after practice is over? Hey, what do we read into the fact that Mylotta took the first uh, rep at left tackle? Um, how important is that first lineup at the position it is probably the most debatable on the Philadelphia Eagles as they open camp. I don't think it's that important. I mean, Jeff Stoutland has said it's going to be a, a competition. Generally, when there's a real competition, uh, you're going to have one guy takes first team reps one day, the next guy takes it the next day, and that's how it goes forward. But, yeah, I mean, who, who gets the first rep? And it, you don't even have to wait for team drills. It's really individuals. Who gets the first rep at left tackle? They're ahead. Usually you default to the guy who was there last year, so expect it to be Jordan Mailata, but it doesn't mean um, he's going to win the job. That's just kind of the football way of doing things. Ultimately, I think the early in camp, the way it usually goes, 
you know, if you're practicing the first three practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, for instance, you know, it'll be my lot of the first day. It'll be Dillard the second day. It'll be my lot of the third day. And you continue on and on and on till you make a decision. That's usually the way it goes with real competitions. And Jeff Stoughton has said this is going to be a real actual competition. So that's the way I expect it to go. I got another coaching question for you. And our buddy Ed Kratz is going to join us uh, coming up in about 15 minutes here on Birds 365. Um, offense coordinator Shane Steichen. Again, we're kind of in the dark because it's a new staff. Nick Sirianni has never been in a head coach before. He brings Steichen in, and we got a chance to hear Steichen on a couple media availabilities. Not a lot, but the relationship between those two and how play calling is going to go. Uh, we know with Doug Peterson, he was always a play caller. He took input from all of his coaches, and certainly when Frank Reich was here, a guy who was as experienced at Frank Reich, we believe that uh, Doug uh, leaned on him heavily, but Doug was the play caller the entire time he was here, even though he had uh, just done it minimally in Kansas City before he came here. Well, we know the head coach has never done it in his uh, tenure as an assistant coach in this league. How much is Steichen going to influence the play calling? Could it be a shared responsibility? How do you think it's going to go with this new coaching staff starting off in year number one? Um, I, 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 Nick is going to call the plays. I mean, not, I don't think it's going to be a shared responsibility. It's sort of going to be like Frank Reich was under Doug Peterson and Nick was under Frank Reich and Shane will run the offensive meetings and, and Nick will sort of oversee the whole thing as opposed to doing vice versa under Frank Reich. Uh, but as far as play calling on game day, Look, you take, uh, you might ask, uh, you might have a sounding board. It might be, you know, Shane, it might be Kevin Petulo because he might be closer uh, to Nick Sirianni than anybody. Um, you always want sounding boards. Hey, what what do you think? What, what, what do you think? And then the head coach, who in this case is the play caller, makes the decision. Um, you know, you said he's never called plays. I don't know that. I mean, um, there's – Frank Reich may have, may have let him take a quarter here, take a drive here, there. Who knows? Um, but if, uh, if, if that were the case, don't you think we'd already know that? Not necessarily. I mean, if Doug Peterson uh, tried to try to ignite the offense and he let Press call Taylor call some plays last year, uh, Rick uh, Scangarello call some plays last year, um, we wouldn't have known it unless he told us. So, I mean, if, if you don't want to tell us, we don't know. Um, right. In the but case that, of that, you understand, that's a different, whole different dynamic. That would be Doug Peterson saying, I allowed my assistant to make some calls and trying to elevate them. Uh, but in doing so, he would have to say, yeah, I gave up the responsibility. So chances are he's not going to say that. He's not going to admit to that. If you're the new head coach coming in, taking over for the first time, and you're going to be calling plays for the first time, I'd have to believe at some point somebody would have said, and how many times have you ever called plays, Coach? If he had done it all, he would have said, well, Frank did give me the chance in this game two times, three yeah, times, you're four probably times. right. You're probably right. 
But uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal is what I'm trying to say. Okay. I mean, you have to get to that position. Most guys, you know, and that's part of it. I mean, I've always argued and coaches have explained, I always bring up Tom Coughlin. Um, to me, it's, it's, it should be the other way around. And you, you should want that all on your plate. There's too many things to do on a game day. I'd rather have a CEO coach. I talk about it all the time and where you could step in and say, no, this is what we got to do as opposed to being bogged down with play calling. Tom explained to me the reason the way it is for the most part is you have to sort of um, impress your will, so to speak on, on the organization. You have to make sure that you're, you're, foundation is is placed in position before you can think about going in a different direction you have to make sure everybody's on the same page that's the way that's why the nfl usually does the way it does i personally think and i'm very consistent about this i would always rather have a ceo coach i don't want a head coach bogged down with play calling i don't want i always bring up sean mcveigh when he started in los angeles Sean McVay would go to the sidelines and not pay attention. He would go to the bench and not pay attention to the defense because he had nothing to do with the defense. I don't like that. Nor do I. That's just me, though. Um, the league is trending in the opposite direction. And, hey, Doug didn't have anything to do with the defense. Guess what? Nick's not going to have anything to do with the defense. I don't like that, personally. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm a uh, rather have an overseer as a head coach, but it can be done. And there are a couple of coaches that I think have done an outstanding job of staying loyal to the side of the ball that got them their head coaching position as an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator who do enough on the other side of the ball. Uh, the point you made about McVay was, was dead on and accurate. And that really bothers me. If you are just going to turn one of the two sides of the football over to an assistant coach and go, yeah, that's on you. I'm the head coach, but your side of the ball is your side of the ball. Do whatever the hell you want. Just tell me about the success after the fact. That's not a good thing. But I think there are some coaches that have struck that perfect balance of being the guy on one side or the other, calling plays, and it's a little bit more intrinsic on the well, offensive side. I think, side. you know, if we talk about best coaches in this league, who are we going to start with? We're going to start with Belichick, obviously. We're going to go, you know, obviously Andy would be in that conversation. He's not necessarily in that direction. But you start talking about Pete Carroll. You start talking about Mike Tomlin, which certainly I think be in most people's top fives. So right there, that three out of that four is CEO coaches. Those are guys who oversee the whole thing, not just, you know, Belichick's a defensive guy. Mike Tomlin's a defensive guy. Pete Carroll's a defensive guy. But they oversee the whole team. Uh, they don't play call um, uh, on the defensive side. They 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 uh, dish out the, the, the work, and they trust their assistants, obviously, and they hire good assistants. Uh, in the case of Belichick, obviously, he will be hands-on when he needs to be. I'd rather a CEO coach. I've said this consistently probably for 20 years. I think it's easier to be a CEO coach as a former defensive coordinator. I just think that's easier. When you're a play caller, you're a play caller. And 
I, I knew exactly where Doug was coming from last year because I would say last year was the <laughs> first time in his tenure here as an Eagles head coach that he felt the pressure on his play calling responsibilities that members of the media, tough question guys like, oh, I don't know, John McMullen would ask him, are you considering giving up the play calling? Are you considering sharing the play calling? I don't think Doug faced that question. He didn't year one and year two, they went to the Super Bowl. So nobody was asking about it. And I don't even think year three or year four. Last year was the first time with any true sincerity, people asked him about, would you consider not calling plays and passing that responsibility along to somebody else? Play callers call plays. And that was basically Doug's answer. I kind of look at that as my responsibility. I'm the head coach. I came in as a play caller. That's what I'm going to continue to do. Until they tell me my services are no longer needed, I'm going to all all plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I like the fact that he defended himself and his way of doing things. The the biggest knock I had on Doug was, yeah, that that he just turned the entire defense over to Schwartz and said, that's your baby. Uh, Just wake me up when we get the ball back because I'll be ready to start calling plays again. I think it's easier to beat a CEO coach. Some of those guys you mentioned as defensive guys. Well, I I remember that's the setup from the organization. It's not like Sean McVay has a, a say in it. He, he he does now, but he didn't as a rookie head coach. Uh, obviously, Doug didn't have a say in it. Uh, the other guys are running it. I, I think we're going to get to the point where, Jody, you're going to have a co-head coach. We have co-coordinators all the time now. There's co-offensive coordinators around this league, co-defensive coordinators. I think you're getting to the point where you're going to have co-head coaches and people are going to say, this guy's offense, this guy's defense. And I think it's going to happen. I don't know when, but it's going to happen. That's a, By the way, that's a better description for more, uh, more cities, more teams than not. Do it that way. In other words, you have an offensive guy and you have a defensive guy, and one is labeled as the head coach, but he only does one thing. Now, there's other things that they do more, and obviously, you know, dealing with the media would be the most obvious, but as far as behind the scenes, I always talk about logistics, scheduling. You know, they handle that stuff, but as far as just the pure football part of it, more teams in the NFL have an offensive guy and a defensive guy than not, than have a CEO who does encompasses everything in both sides of the football. And I don't like it. If the John McMullen prediction is accurate, that it is an inevitability in the NFL in the next what are you going to say? Five, ten years? How long are you stretching out before we get to? I'm going to say. Coach? I'm going to say ten years. Within the next ten years, I hope Birds 365 is still going at that time, because I will tell you right now, it will be an abject failure. You cannot run a team with co-head coaches. I, Someone I... must be in charge. Plain and simple. Whoever the team is that thinks they're smarter than everybody else. And they want to be ahead of the curve and they want to quote unquote think outside the box, the box will burn. There is no such thing as co head coaches. Someone has to be in charge. Even when you have a, or at the top of an organizational chart, which is ownership, yeah, a lot of uh, teams are owned by groups, 
the Green Bay Packers are owned by uh, the, their stockholders. They're the exception, not the rule. But someone has got to sit atop the chart. Somebody's got to be the that, boss. That's, Somebody's you, you, got to be the guy who runs it. <laughs> but, Jody, <coughs> excuse me. I'm but, Jody, you're bringing up a good point. That's the reason it exists, because somebody has to be held accountable. But they're not really in charge. In other words, they're being held accountable for something they have nothing to do with. So you're making people. I always joke about the Eagles. One of the one of the big problems with the Eagles being the head coach, you have to talk about things that you have no control over. Sometimes it's just football. Sometimes it's. A, I always bring up the White House trip. It was Doug Peterson who had to go up there and talk. Had nothing to do with it. Had nothing to do with the decision. Had to go up there and talk about it because he somebody's got to be accountable. He's not account. We would say, you know, if you go back to all the press conferences, occasionally Doug would get the occasional question about the defensive side of the ball. Behind the scenes, we'd go like, "What the hell are we going to ask this guy about defense? He's got nothing to do with it." So you could say somebody's got to be accountable, but he's only accountable because he's standing up there and talking about it when in reality he's got nothing to do with it. So that's why I say in a lot of ways it would be a better description, a better description to have co-head coaches unless you have a CEO coach, which is what I advocate. Right. And oh, by the way, all those CEO coaches, they're in charge of both sides of the ball. Yes. They're in charge of both the offense and the defense. And yes. that's why I think things flow better. So if that's the case going forward, then an NFL believes an NFL team actually believes that that is the best way to handle things, to have someone in charge of separate side and be equally accountable will blow up in their faces. Guaranteed prediction. From your buddy, the Mac. Well, it might from an, I, I, I will say, go back to Sean McVay's rookie season. If you had him on one of your radio shows and asked him a question about the defense, I mean, you might have asked him that because he's the head coach, but he has got nothing to do with it. Literally nothing to do with it. So that's what I'm trying to kind of get out there is that somebody can be held accountable, but they're not really accountable because it's not up to them. That's all I'm trying to point out. Right. But even all those CEO coaches that you rattled off, they started on one side of the wall. When they got their first chance as a head coach, they were in charge of one side of the ball. Their success gave them gravitas enough that they could say, all right, well, I'm going to step back here and put someone in place. But, oh, by the way, I'm still in charge of the side of the ball that I was in charge of, and and now I'm in charge of the other side as well. I'm just not going to be the hands-on guy. And that's why I bring up Copeland, because I think it's counterintuitive. You're right. team. You have to get there. I'm saying teams, if teams want to think outside the box, start there. Start there. It's a better way to run your organization. That's what I'm arguing. Hire the right guy, hire a leader, hire a CEO coach, start there. Don't make him prove something. Let him run the organization. That's what I'm saying. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. All right, quickie timeout. 
we'll get our buddy Ed Kratz to join us as we're that much closer to the start of the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles season here on Birds 365. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods. Your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. Johnny Mac and Jody Mac. Here we have Birds 365. Thanks for tuning in, Eagles fans. It is that time. Eagles report to the Novacare Complex today and get their first uh, practice underway tomorrow. Uh, John McMullen will be there, as will our next guest. Uh, You should recognize him now because I'm told it's his ninth appearance here on Bird 365, our most frequent flyer, Ed Kratz of Sports Illustrated. Ed, I ask you the question that Hank Williams Jr. asks all the time as well. Are you ready for some football? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm ready, man. I, you know, I'm all geared up. Was on vacation last year or last week at the Jersey Shore. So, uh, yeah, my batteries are recharged. I'm ready to go. I just, you know, I'm waiting to hear when we can actually go here. You know, we're kind of in the dark. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. think the Eagles are ready to go, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's some inside uh, inside nonsense. But yeah. uh, when we do get there, hopefully, <laughs> uh, and the Eagles get around to it, um, what are you most interested in seeing? I think the most obvious uh, competition is Andre Dillard versus uh, Jordan Mailata at left tackle. Uh, but there is some interesting give and take. I know that third wide receiver position is one I'm going to be focused on. What are you making when you hit the grass at the Novacare Complex? What do you want to see first? Well, I want besides I mean, me. Yeah, right. Besides me. <laughs> I want to see Hurts. Obviously, he's the most obvious answer. Jalen Hurts, how consistent he can be running this offense. Um, you know, in the spring work we saw, you know, he looked a little inconsistent, I thought, at times with his uh, throwing and his, his completion percentage. So, obviously, he's the, he's the big choice, right? Number one uh, must watch at camp. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm kind of interested, you know, after the Eagles signed Steven Nelson, uh, giving them their cornerback two and allowing Avante Maddox to play in the slot, which is more of a comfortable fit for him. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if – you know, Maddox is going to stay in the slot and they won't try to make him a free safety, especially with, you know, Rodney McLeod's uh, rehab from an ACL still kind of up in the air. I, I'm not sure he's going to be ready week one. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering if that slot position, at least early on, is going to be Josiah Scott, who they acquired in a trade. You know, they gave up a sixth round pick for him. He's kind of flying under the radar, in my opinion. And then you have Zach McPherson, the, the fourth round pick, who uh, a lot of people feel the slot could be his best position going forward. So, you know, I'm going to I'm interested to see what happens at that slot position now that CB2 has been taken care of. Uh, will it be Maddox or will they put Maddox at safety and, and move Josiah Scott, who has a similar skill set to Maddox in the slot and let Zach McPherson uh, compete with him there? So, you know, that might be beyond the obvious a little bit. And maybe it's just my way of thinking after seeing Maddox get some reps at safety during the spring work. Um, but that's something that I'll be keeping an eye on as well, other than the obvious. You know, Devontae Smith, can't wait to see how he does. Jalen Rager, can he make the jump uh, from year one to year two? Uh, so there, there's certainly no shortage of storylines. No disrespect to my colleagues here, Mr. McMone and Mr. Kratz, but you're both wrong. Uh, the most interesting <laughs> development situation with the Philadelphia Eagles, day one, day two, day three, day four, is Zach Gertz. And I'll explain why. Um, my lot of versus Dillard. If Howie Roseman should come down and sidle up next to Jeff Stoutland and attempt to influence how Jeff looks at the left tackle position, you know what Jeff will say? Howie, don't you have a phone call to take? Just get off the field. He's not going to be afraid to tell Howie Roseman. Oh, I'll decide how the left tackle position is going. If Howie sidles up next to Nick Sirianni and says, Nick, how many plays do you think you're going to be in 12, 11? It'll be yes, sir. No, sir. Whatever you'd suggest, sir. I will certainly take under advisement, sir, as a first-time head coach. How Zach Gertz's use is going to be decided by a whole bunch of people, not the left tackle position, 
the defensive position, yeah, who's going to be at the slot and who's going to be at safety, that's a little bit more interesting with Gannon. I, I'll give you that, but I think it'll purely be Gannon's call because there are so many differing and different opinions on Zach Ertz and how uh, much the Eagles are going to use two tight end sets. I think that's the most interesting thing in camp. Yeah, it's weird with Ertz. I mean, I think we've been conditioned – you know, all off season, ever since we saw them after their final game in January, him and Kelsey and Wentz gathered at the, uh, you know, the 50 yard line looked like they were saying goodbye. So I, I think we've all been conditioned that Zach Ertz isn't going to be part of this team. And, uh, you know, I, you know, I know Howard Eskin came out and reported what he reported that, you know, Zach has moved past these issues. You know, I've been told otherwise, uh, you know, by a pretty good uh, source that's pretty close to Zach Ertz that, no, these issues have not been moved past. He still very much wants out of Philadelphia. Um, so it's interesting that he'll report, you know, and knowing Ertz being the consummate pro that he is, it'll be interesting to see his body language when he's out on that field. Like you said, will he be sidling up to, you know, the left tackles or Roseman and whatever, but it's going to be interesting to see his body language and how he attacks camp. Um, you know, and certainly if he gets injured early in camp, that's going to put a whole, you know, different spin on what his future is going to look like too. So you're, you're right, Jody. I mean, that, you know, Zach Ertz is somebody that needs to be paid attention to here without question. And maybe he is close to the top of that list of players to watch. It just seems that we're conditioned to think that he's not going to be here. Uh, and I still don't think he's going to be here, but it's absolutely something that needs to be watched early on in camp. Yeah, you bring up an interesting point. Well, one, Ed, uh, he's not going to be sidling up to Howie Roseman. I'm going to make that prediction <laughs> right here. But, you know, I think it was uh, Andrew Brandt was on our show, and he said, remember, I think Howard was putting too much into the fact that Zach was working out at the facility because you can't have contact with the coaches and, and the personnel. You can't talk football. So he's just going in there to get his strength work done, his conditioning work done, and leaving and nobody's bothering him. He's got to show up because – of the fines. The fines can't be weighed. So Andrew said, maybe they have him show up and not practice. So he's not fined. But you bring up, if he gets hurt, any potential trade is out the window. People talk about injuries elsewhere. You know, what if there's an injury in Buffalo or Indianapolis or Jacksonville, on and on and on. You bring up a good point. What if Zach gets hurt? That only trade is off. That's what happened at the trade deadline last year. So it, we could see Zach Ertz being there, but not being there. In other words, not practicing, just being there so he's not fine. Do you think that's a potential scenario? Well, if, if they do that, then clearly, you know, they're going to trade him. I mean, I don't – it would be hard for me to just see the Eagles sitting him on the sidelines and not doing anything and kind of putting him in, in bubble wrap. That would tip their hand that, yeah, we, we want him out of here. Um, the better solution would just be let him stay in his hotel room and not show up at all. Uh, but, yeah, he's here. He's not being fined. 50 grand, but you know, we we're just going to keep him in bubble wrap. I mean, you need to come out and admit something. If he's out there and he's participating in all these drills, the seven on sevens, the 11 on 11s, then, then, you know, you do run that risk of him getting hurt 
and then what happens? Um, you know, it's it's really a game of chicken how he has played all offseason long as to who's going to bite first or who's going to blink first, I should say. Uh, will it be another team that's willing to meet his asking price? Um, you know, is it unfair to Ertz? You know, he's given so much to this team for the last eight seasons. Yeah, probably is a little unfair. But listen, it's a business. We're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Um, and we're seeing players report because of this $50,000 fine hanging over their heads. We saw Xavier Howard report in Miami. You know, he's unhappy over his deal, but there he is in camp because he doesn't want to get hit hit in the head with a $50,000 fine. Same with Deshaun Watson. He has to report to Houston, doesn't want to give up that fifty grand a day, and the same with Zach Ertz. But uh, we'll know early on exactly, I think, what the Eagles' intentions are with Ertz. If they're throwing him out there for every single play and every single snap of practice, then – Maybe he's going to be a part of this team. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's just really an amazing, bizarre situation with how this has been handled from the start, I think. And I think I ran this uh, question by Zach Berman when we had him on yesterday. Uh, so let me run it by you as well. Two Eagle draft picks from last year, neither of which contributed much to the 2020 Eagles for varying reasons, but certainly in year number two, you'd expect them to be more advanced and able to contribute that much more. Uh, Davion Taylor was taken in the third round at linebacker and Kayvon Wallace was taken in the fourth round uh, at safety. Which of those two is actually going to produce more on the field this year, would you predict? Oh, boy, I, I would have to probably say Kayvon Wallace at this point. I think they're going to play him a little bit closer to the, you know, to the line of scrimmage, um, maybe even kind of a linebacker role, maybe a little bit of what Malcolm Jenkins did, you know, kind of try to uh, play him in different positions. But I, I think Kayvon Wallace, just based on, you know, the experience he's had in playing the game, Davion Taylor, uh, you know, you wonder what his instincts are like. You wonder what that jump's going to look like year one to year two. I mean, he's a guy that didn't play much high school football because of his uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, beliefs. You know, Friday nights, they're usually the time they worship, so he couldn't play, and then he goes to a community college. So, you know, I, I wonder – he's certainly one of the best equipped linebackers they have in terms of the physical skills. He's fast. He can – you know, he's, he's rangy. Um, but what are his instincts like? You know, that takes time to develop. So if I had to pick between who I think is going to get the most snaps, you know, I'm going to have to say Kayvon Wallace at this point. And Davion Taylor, you know, he really has some work ahead of him to get into that rotation. When you look at, you know, Eric Wilson was brought in. Uh, Alex Singleton really, you know, splashed on the scene last year. And then, you know, T.J. Edwards is still here. So I think he's got a little bit more uh, – you know, leapfrogging to do with players to get onto the field. But Kayvon Wallace, I think there's a path for him to see some snaps. You know, linebacker's interesting to me, Ed, because what are we going to see from Jonathan Gannon? Everyone looks to Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Everybody looks to Matt Everplus in Indianapolis. And, you know, those guys have Anthony Barr and Eric Kendrick and Darius Leonard, these really athletic movement-based linebackers. Um, you know, Zimmer, we always put – he sugars the A-gaps. He puts them over the center. Um, you have to stand up the overload blitzes. Maybe Ryan Kerrigan fits in there. Can Alex Singleton and and, and Eric Wilson, uh, who, who was obviously in Minnesota and made plays, but 
He also, people don't realize, was really bad against the run. Can they run that type of defense with those two linebackers? Do you almost have to throw a Davion Taylor into the deep end of the pool if you want to play like that? Yeah, well, throw that on the watch list because you're right. I don't know how they're going to juggle these linebackers and what they're going to do and, uh, you know, how much time Kerrigan will see, you know, kind of in that stand-up rusher role, line him up over center and, you know, either fake, you know, coming in one of those gaps or, or back him out. Um, you know, and then you have Jacoby Stevens, who they're trying to make a linebacker out of. And I think uh, Jannard Avery, they're trying to make a linebacker out of. I mean, they're just kind of throwing stuff against the wall here at this point, I think, with the known commodities being Eric Wilson uh, and Alex Singleton and, and even TJ Edwards. So right there, you have three guys I think that they're going to probably lean on uh, and, and try to bring Taylor along as camp progresses. I, I think what's really going to help guys like Davion Taylor and uh, Sean Bradley and, uh, you know, Kayvon Wallace is, is the preseason games. You know, the first one comes up August 12th. I think, you know, that's that's really going to benefit these second-year guys who didn't have that experience last year. And, uh, you know, that'll allow them, I think, to grow a little bit faster. And, and you know, certainly Taylor was a third-round pick. You better hope he grows fast. But uh, right now I just don't know if there's going to be a role for him early on. He's going to really have to play well. Uh, through camp and then in the preseason games. All right, Ed, I've got a watch list question for you as well. Um, anytime you change coaches, you're going to hear the phrase tossed around, creating a new culture, that that's the job of the new coach. He needs to change the culture. He has to have his own culture. We have to find out what his culture is going to be. Uh, we start to get inklings the first time he steps in front of a mic when he's introduced with this head coach, it wasn't necessarily award an award-winning performance, but he has certainly improved since. You guys got to get a little bit of a glimpse at some of the off-season, non-mandatory work that the Eagles got in, uh, more competitions and fun than actual football work, but it starts in earnest tomorrow. What are the things you're going to be watching for that is going to tell you what kind of culture the Eagles are trying to put in place with this new Nick Sirianni staff? Well, you know, I think commanding the team and his presence in front of the team is going to be very important. And we saw a little of that in the spring where, yeah, he seemed to have the players' attentions and the players certainly talked about that when we got to talk to them on Zoom. I talked to Jason Kelsey uh, down in Sea Isle City when he was the guest bartender there on June 30th. We, we talked about Sirianni quite a bit and he, you know, he – Kelsey usually doesn't sugarcoat things and he likes the approach. Now, you know, he brought up a good point is, you know, what's he going to be like when adversity strikes, you know, what's that culture, will that culture be able to kind of cement itself where they can overcome adversity rather seamlessly, uh, you know, in terms of injuries, maybe guys carping about playing time, that kind of thing. But uh, you know, there is going to be adversity. It's all well and good to do your competition mantra, your rock, paper, scissors, your free throw shooting, ping pong games, whatever it is. But, you know, what, what's his in-game adjustments going to look like once that happens? How is he going to coach the game? Um, you know, that that to me is is very important. And as far as the culture goes, I just think he needs to kind of be able to – act like a leader in front of the team. And I think we've seen that. 
you know, he wants guys to play for each other. He doesn't want any selfishness on this team. He wants these guys to bond together. Uh, so when they're kind of in this foxhole, so to speak, that they'll play for each other. Uh, I think that's what the culture that he wants to instill is. And, that, and that's well and good. But, you know, let's see if, if he can coach. Let's see if he can make adjustments. Let, let's see. Uh, his staff, what, could, what they, can they do? I want to see Brian Johnson working with Jalen Hurts and trying to develop him, uh, you know, the quarterback coach. And we saw Nick Sirianni in the spring kind of go to the different positions. Uh, you know, he was with the running backs. He was with the receivers. He was with the quarterbacks. He, he was all over the place with the different position groups. Uh, and I like that. You know, I like when a coach is involved in every single position, not just kind of anchored to the quarterback uh, position. He's going to have a big say in what the quarterbacks do and the play they run, but I like that he's involved. He's with every position group, so he knows exactly what's going on with each player and each position group. Um, I think that's going to be a thing too. Is he's going to show that he cares about these players? You know, in turn, you, you hope that they care enough about him to play hard for him week in and week out, practice in, practice out every single day. All right, Devils advocate to that, Ed. Um, your quarterback is a second-year player with four career starts. You have a history with quarterbacks. Uh, he's coached quarterbacks, and I'm talking about Nick Sirianni. He's an offensive guy. He was brought in to be an offensive head coach, obviously a play caller. Shouldn't he be anchored to the young quarterback? Shouldn't he do everything humanly possible to get Jalen Hurts? Because let's be honest, that's the most important part of it all. Uh, I mean, and – we have a lot of uncertainty at the most important position. Yes. Yeah. See, I, to me, a good coach is someone that delegates and who trusts his assistants. And yeah, it's important for him to be part of what's going on with the quarterbacks. And he, he very well will be, I'm sure, behind the scenes in the meeting rooms in the film room, whatever it is. But on the field, you know, I kind of like when he turns it over to Brian Johnson and Shane Steichen to, to kind of work what they're supposed to be working on. He, he needs trust those guys. He, he needs to delegate authority to those guys. And he, yeah, that allows him time to move around the position groups because an offense is, is like this great symphony. You need all 11 parts working in unison to make it run. It's not just about one guy. Yeah, it's an important position, the quarterback, but you need to know the receivers need to know where they're going on the field. They need to know how to run routes. It's something that really kind of uh, we didn't see a lot of development at that position the last few years. So, you know, I have no problem with him working his way around to these different position groups because I think he needs to be involved in all aspects so he knows what's going on. But then behind the scenes, yeah, let, let me get with the quarterbacks. Let me develop play calls. But I'm going to do that in concert with Shane Steichen, with Brian Johnson, with Aaron Moorhead, with, uh, you know, Jason Michael, my tight end coach. You know, you're, you're going to work with Jeff Stoutland. You're, you're going to work with all those coaches. But on the field – let those guys do their jobs and teach and 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 uh, mold these guys while you kind of oversee the whole operation. All right, Ed, here's one of my concerns for this upcoming season, and you tell me whether it's meritorious or not. Uh, and it's not something I'm concerned about with tomorrow or the day after or the first week of practice or the preseason. It doesn't really kick in until the season itself kicks in and they start playing on Sunday's games that count. And that's the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. As John has pointed out, we have Brendan Lee Gouton on earlier. He certainly stated, I tried to tie him down. I couldn't even do it. To find out what Jalen Hurts needs to accomplish to do here in this year so that 
McMullen, McDonald, and Kratz stopped talking about Deshaun Watson. That we're not constantly coming on and say, did you see the game that Sam Howell had for North Carolina this year? Oh, my God. The Eagles are going to have a high pick, and I'd love to see him in Midnight Green. Um, we all know what Jalen is facing coming into this year. We just don't know what he's going to need to accomplish to be the starting quarterback in 2022. He's got his own thoughts on that. Is there any chance that Jalen Hurts is going to try and do too much? Knowing that here's the bar that he's got to get above and beyond to be the Eagle quarterback going forward, that this truly is a prove-it type year for him, will he attempt to do too much? You can do that with a quarterback who's ready to pull it down and take off and try and run for 25. Is that something Eagle fans should be worried about going into the year? Jalen Hurts knows he's on the clock, and he's going to try and speed up the clock as best he can. I mean, it's a legitimate concern, yeah, that he tries to do too much, no, no doubt about it. You know, we we haven't even met Jalen Hurts. You know, he's been on this team now over a year, and, you know, none of us have, have met him face-to-face or, or seen how he uh, interacts with his teammates in a locker room situation, very small snippets of it on the field. We saw it last year a little bit in those four starts. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a danger of that for sure. Uh, but, you know, Hurts seems like a really mellow dude, man. I mean, he looks like he's just kind of, you know, he leads by example. I don't think he does put that kind of pressure on himself. He comes from a football family. His father was a head coach. Um, so I think there's a danger of it, but I don't think Hurts will do that. And, what, and what's going to constitute giving Hurts – uh, you know, another contract or letting him start in 2022. I think it comes down to, you know, what it always does, wins and losses. You know, I think that Eagles have a, a pretty good offense in place around him. And now he has to make that offense work and put points on the board. If he's averaging 24 points a game and they're losing games 31 to 24, then, you know, maybe that's not his fault. You know, it's the defense's fault. Um, but I think wins is going to be a big part of, how they factor in whether Hertz is the answer. And I also think his touchdown to interception ratio, I think he needs to limit his turnovers, his fumbles. I think he needs to show good poise in the pocket, uh, make plays when they're there, throw the ball away when they're not, and just kind of manage the game as best he can. Um, you know, little nuance things like that, I think are going to be the telltale sign as to whether Hertz is the answer. But I think the one that's most, you know, glaring and the one we can see is wins and losses. Uh, that's going to, I think, be the biggest benchmark for Jalen Hurts going forward, how many wins he can squeeze out of this team in 2021. Uh, so, Ed, what if that benchmark is average? What if it's eight wins? What if it's nine wins? What if the numbers are average? They're not bad. They're not good. We know how Jeffrey Lurie values this position. We know it. I mean, he he says he wants to build an elite passing offense. That's what he's about. And by the way, he's right. That's what the modern NFL is about. I've, I've asked this of you. I've asked it of a lot of people. Now we're on the eve of training camp. I'm going to ask it again. Is there anything outside of just blowing everybody away that can turn Jeffrey Lurie away from saying, we got to get a quarterback. We got to get a Deshaun Watson. If not a Deshaun Watson, a Sam Howell or whoever's going to be at the top of the draft. Spencer Rattler, you know how this team respects Lincoln Riley. I guarantee you Lincoln Riley's going to be in their ear saying, hey, Spencer Rattler's pretty stinking good. Can can Jalen Hurts do anything to not be a placeholder for this team other than win 12 games? 
Well, you know, I think there will be other factors than the wins and losses. What if the Eagles win eight games? They're eight and nine, and, and Jalen Hurts has 28 touchdown passes, six rushing, and, and 10 interceptions. That, that's pretty good. Um, I think even if he wins 12 games, I think this team's going to draft a quarterback next year. I mean, they almost have to bring in some more competition other than Joe Flacco and Nick Mullins. I, I think that they will go quarterback in the first round. I'm not sure they'll trade for Watson or Aaron Rodgers, whatever, if they sign him as a, as a free agent. I mean, Aaron Rodgers will be 38 years old uh, at the end of this year. Uh you know what does he have left but to me I would I would still take a quarterback no matter how successful or unsuccessful Hertz is I would still look at a Sam Howe or Rattler or this kid from USC I mean there, there's a lot of quarterbacks we'll have to wait and see how these fall Saturdays go but I would watch and I would pay attention and I would talk about these quarterbacks all fall long no matter how Hertz is doing because I think they're going to grab one uh, to kind of bring in and compete with Hertz uh, no matter what kind of season he has now if he falls flat on his face you know, then maybe you start to look at maybe trading for Deshaun Watson, someone that can come in right away and and win this uh, win games for this team, uh, or an Aaron Rodgers or whoever is out there. Uh, but I think he would have to fall flat on his face for them to do that. I know the Eagles have been connected with Watson. I think it would be a mistake to bring him in at the cost that the Texans are currently looking for. Uh, you know, I think you just go with Hurts and you try to find benchmarks that he can meet and milestones that he can achieve to determine his success. What will success look like? I'm not even sure Nick Sirianni will know the answer to that when we ask him. All right, Eddie, uh, last one for me, and it might be the most important question you field over the next 24, 48, <laughs> 72 hours. Um, uh, going to have uh, key grass time tomorrow. McMullen has already admitted he's going to wear some kind of coaching coat or sleeveless <laughs> thing. Coach. Oh, no. 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 Like, he's going to try and dress like a coach. He's going to try and look coaching like a coach coat. on the sidelines, no. and he's going to be sweating like a stuck pig. But uh, I'm just, I, I'm guesstimating is, where, here. What is your coaching coat? What, what I don't you even call know it? what that is. What did you call it earlier in the show? You you, you know those, uh, Ed, you know those batting practice shorts. Batting practice. Every, oh, everybody wears them. That's right. What, when he says right. everybody, All the coaches, wear. The coaches he's referring to. So they're coaching coaches. I just That's, made that up. I'm probably uh, so gonna, he's got a I'm batting probably, practice thing on. I'm, got, I'm probably going to drop. I'm probably going to break that out day one until I go T-shirt day two. And, they, <laughs> and from that point forward. That's all, all right. I said. Well, so he's listen, going in yeah. a batting practice sleeveless jacket tomorrow. <laughs> like, a, like a stuck pig, he's going to be sweating. Everybody, uh, everybody sweats like a stuck pig. That's part of it. So you don't want to be next to McMullen. You don't want to be behind Brandon Lee oh. Gowton because you won't see a damn thing. Right. Is, is there anyone that you will sidle up next to, either for space purposes or conversational purposes, that you think you might actually be able to uh, get something above and beyond what your eyes are telling you about the Eagles. Someone who you bantered back and forth with in these workout type situations before that you've seen uh, has given you some insight and or ways to play. By the way, everybody's gone. No, everybody's gone. Bye. Yeah. It's going to be a whole new sideline. But, you know, look, Zach Berman, I like sidling up to him. He's very knowledgeable. Plus, he's very short, so he's easy to see over if you're looking at height. Yeah. Uh, but Zach's great, very knowledgeable, uh, sees things that I don't always see. I like to pick a lot of guys' brains when I'm on the sideline because you, you can't see everything. You know, you're not you're, – you know, you're watching what you're watching, but you might not be seeing what's going on to your left or your right. So you like to talk to as many people as you can. So 
there's really not one person. I'll, I'll, uh, but now that I know John's wearing this, you know, these non-whisking batting practice yeah. vests, uh, I, I might stay clear. And I was always told, listen, don't be part of the story, John. You know, you don't want to be part of the story. And if you wear that, well, I'm that's pictures that, that, and videos, trust me. posting trust it on me. social media. Trust me, it's not going to stand out. It is not stand out. I can't believe you guys don't know what I'm talking about. They're very I, you know, common. I can't, even believe that you, I, I can't even believe you have your outfit already picked out that you're no, going to wear to the first no. day. Of I don't practice. have it picked out. I said probably that's the way I'm going to go. Jody runs with that. He takes the baton. You know why he took that baton? Because he couldn't take his victory lap over Landon Dickerson. I told him. For weeks and weeks and weeks, Landon would be there on the for the first practice. So he had to go a different route. I respect him for that, for, for going down and trying trying to go a different route. Yeah, poke a little fun. That's why we love having Evan Kratz on, because he laughs both with us and at us when given the chance. Any good stuff. Thanks for hopping on, buddy. Uh, again, as I, I keep my distance from John tomorrow. <laughs> number one, he's going to have on the sweaty coat. And number two, he's got a bum shoulder. If you, a bump, if you bump in, he's going to blame you when he goes I'm on the aisle. I'm not wearing a coat when it's 94 degrees. I'm not wearing – I guarantee you I'm not wearing a coat. I can't guarantee that I'll even be allowed down there, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, well, listen. If you do, John, it's going to go viral because I will tweet out yeah. pictures. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to wear a parka on, <laughs> on, in in July in South Philadelphia. Need to see that video. I would love to see that. Yeah. Eddie yeah. Kratz here with us on uh, Birds Three Sixty Five, and uh, sure we'll have you up again soon enough. Thanks, brother. Thanks, guys. Eddie Kratz here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, coming back, and what are we going to do? We're going to put a bow on the show. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. 
IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. This is a key. It's a family tree. It's a pair of wings. It's a secret handshake. And a ticket to anywhere in the world. It's more than a uniform. It's the door to a world most people only dream of. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. Try it on at GoArmy.com. All right, last couple of minutes here on Bird 365 with your Mac and Mac guys and uh, John. Take my haberdashery advice with the grain of salt that it should be given, because I am no fashion plate. But if I were you, in order of potential outfits tomorrow, I'd go golf shirt one, t-shirt two, Andy Reid like Tommy Bahama three, and your pullover batting practice Call it a coat, don't call it a coat, well, whatever the hell you want to call it. So you I probably shouldn't have called it a, I probably should have said pullover. Yeah. I think that's what it's called. Um, so I probably described it wrong. Now, who spends more time in the heat, Jody? You've been around baseball your entire life than baseball players. This might be the lightest thing I own, Jody. That's the whole point. Okay. It, it's who who spends more time in the heat? than baseball players. Since their game is played during the summer, you're right. They they have a lot of it. And managers wear it, but you don't see players wearing it up. And you're neither a manager nor a player. You're just a media guy. So you're going to do whatever the hell you want. I'm just giving you my opinion. <laughs> Golf shirt one, T-shirt two, Tommy Bahama three, now it's probably, pull over now, four. That, that would be how I would rank them. But now, that's, again. I'm a collar guy, so I tend to be professional. I don't wear... T-shirt. Yeah. So we're, we're both real professional. What do you got on today? No, I mean when I show up for practice. So I'm. It's always going to have a collar. Ninety-seven percent of practices, I'm going to have the golf shirt on. Ninety-seven percent. Okay. All right, we're more relaxed here on Birds Three Sixty Five, as you can tell, as we both uh, threw the T-shirt on for today's show. Uh, all right, coming up this week, you're going to be down to practice tomorrow. And Thursday and Friday and all next week leading up to Friday, which is like the first day off. Um, we're figuring this out here on the fly. I was told by our boss, uh, Joe Krause, that there's a very good chance that Barrett is going to be here with me. He's going to be filling your role. You're going to be down at practice and you're going to attempt to join us either on the computer or on FaceTime on your phone 
or just a straight up phoner? We're gonna we're gonna make this up as we uh, go along here on the fly, McMullen. Yeah, we're going on the fly as we always do. You got to do. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of places you can go. In other words, there's the media house. You can't just talk in there because you're bothering everybody else who's working. So you generally have to do things outside. Uh, Joe Krause, closed circuit, get me a tripod or something. Maybe we can do some video. Uh, other than that, you're probably going to get the streaming version, Here. Uh, the uh, audio streaming version. Another suggestion, possibility, in the car, engine off, uh, windows up, so you it's got good hot. sound it's with that hot. pullover on. You could, lose, you could lose 20 pounds between well, now and the start of the lose. season. That's not a bad idea. Maybe I will do that. Yeah, that. Just, uh, just. Uh, hey, I'm, way... I'm here for you, partner. I'm here for you. That's I'm here to good. try and make your life easier and to get you skinnier. One thing or the other, or get you looking better when you're out there on grass time. All right, uh, J Mac, good show today, buddy. Appreciate it. I'm gonna miss you. We'll get you on. It'll either be on the phone or on the computer or on FaceTime. So we'll get a chance to see each other, but it's not gonna be uh, Mac and Mac shows for a while. Have a good time down at camp. Feel free to tank and try and lose to Coach Sirianni in rock, paper, scissors. Oh, I'm definitely losing. Because uh, I want to see the guy win something. I know. I'm tanking for him. You've been saying that for weeks. I appreciate your tanking attitude. Uh, partner, uh, we'll talk tomorrow, I guess. We shall see. You got to come back right here in 22 hours for the next episode of Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.